Thanks for tuning in for another edition of the Veries and Numerous podcast presented by Briar.io, a Briar.io production. Quick shout out here. I start every episode like this to our sponsors. As you can see, them scrolling across as I read them off here. Special thanks to Thunder Games. Thunder Games creates games that integrate Bitcoin and process payments via the Lightning Network. They're, they're actually, uh, I'm having the uh, creator on the podcast for uh, next, uh, he's coming on Sunday, so it'll be out next week. They have various, di- uh, they have numerous different games and run their own node. If you wish to c- connect, their public key is available over at thndr.games forward slash about along with their Telegram and social media. Thunder Games are making mobile games, which enable players to win Bitcoin for free using the Lightning Network to win prizes. Uh, Check them out, thndr.games today. The Bob Shop, the most diverse blockchain and crypto clothing store on the web. I love these guys, and I had to have a little chuckle. I ordered a... uh, I got actually. I ordered a shirt from them uh, the other day. Already here, cryptocurrency, the Bitcoin logo, a play on the uh, California uh, uh, deal. I, I think so. I really like what they have over there. Uh, check them out. They have all sorts of stuff. Uh, very diverse. Lots of different projects. Uh, check them out. BobCrypto.com. That's B-O-B-C-R-Y-P-T-O.co. Vinxcoin. Vinxcoin is the world's first decentralized fine French wine and vineyard-backed security token offering STO, where anyone can be a fine French wine and vineyard owner from the comfort of their own home. Vinx removes the high-cost barrier to entry to French wine and vineyard ownership markets. Check them out at Vinxcoin.com. Trios. What is Trios? Trios is an economy and an ecosystem. Trios is a direct reference to decentralized money that will power a new economy. In the future, the term Trios will become synonymous with cryptocurrency and virtual ass, virtual financial assets (VFAs). Their payment methods, their ecosystem, and their general use as both a utility and a store of value. Check them out at Trios.io. Charon Coins. You found the brick and mortar financial institution where you can safely trade. Dollars for Bitcoin, USD to BTC, over-the-counter, and person-to-person. They facilitate transactions of all sizes, including high-volume transactions. Their headquarters is located in Milwaukee, serving the MKE areas of Lakefront, Eastside, Riverwest, and Waukesha County. More than just being an OTC location, they're here to educate you about Bitcoin, wallets, blockchain, crypto, security, and platforms. If you're in the Milwaukee area, you can also check out their Bitcoin ATM with more to come soon, visit Charon Coins, that's C-H-A-R-O-N-C-O-I-N-S dot com. Bitcoin, store value. Bitcoin SOV is an emerging community-driven project that is a decentralized team the world over. It is a proof-of-work mineable ERC-20 and has a deflationary design with token burns to ensure your value is stored over time. Check out their site at bsov.io. Lucho Paletti, a digital artist that did the Andy Warhol on my wall to buy Bitcoin uh, play there. Uh, He's a self-described propagandist known for his iconic Bitcoin artworks. Lucho's number one goal is to spread the message that Bitcoin is better money. Check out Lucho Paletti. That's L-U-C-H-O-P-O-L-E-T-T-I.com. And Flashcoin, lastly, is a reinvention of Litecoin built to scale 
for worldwide commerce and fast enough to handle everyday transactions. The flexible and easy to integrate core code allows exchanges and wallets to add flash to their platform within hours. With a settlement time of five seconds and consensus within two minutes, anyone anywhere can use Flash Mobile Wallet as easy as cash or credit card. Visit Flashcoin, that's F-L-A-S-H-C-O-I-N dot I-O. And remember, nothing written or spoken on Briar.io is financial advice. Always D-Y-O-R, do your own research. You are the captain of your financial ship. You are in control of your financial sovereignty. And please enjoy this episode. Back again, episode 19 of the Veries and Numerous podcast, uh, production of Briar.io. Today I'm uh, uh, with a super successful entrepreneur. He sold his medical supplies company, uh, FastMed, for a $500 million exit. The president and CEO of PRTI, an oil and energy company, and co-founded Morgan Creek Digital, uh, one of the biggest investment funds in the crypto space. Uh, I'm sure everybody knows about Morgan Creek. Mr. Jason A. Williams, thanks for coming back on the show today, sir. Yes, it's my pleasure. Good to be here. Yeah, you and I talked about eight months ago, and uh, I really enjoyed that, and I wanted to catch up with you and see how you've been. So what have you been up to? Well, uh, every day is COVID day, so that, that's really been the premium focus. Before we got on today, you know, I was just talking about how it's been such a difficult time for a lot of founders, whether you're in some type of a, uh, like I, I kind of equate it to like a parabolic move or this kind of wave formation. So you're building a business. You could be at the beginning, the startup of that, the growth phase of it. You could be at the maturation of your business or you could be in the decline. Each one of those moments along that curve takes a different type of energy and focus, capital allocation and funding. and then. COVID hits, we shut down the economy, and everyone's trapped on that curve. So it's a really challenging uh, time for someone like me who really focuses on operations, when to hire, when to fire, when to grow, when to kind of hit the brakes. Um, so I'm all over the place with our portfolio companies, our personal investments, our own projects, trying to just survive right now. Yeah, I know you're in. Uh, I just touched on a couple of the things you're into, like the, the the things that I know about the the big things. Uh, what what does that look like? I mean, have you had to uh, you know let a lot of people go, or what's that? What could you give a little more about that sort of thing on the business side of that? Yeah, I mean, Jim Cramer said it best recently. You know, he is a wealthy guy, and I think he owns a restaurant or a bar. And he had furloughed or continued to pay his staff as long as he could. And I think yesterday he either stopped or is really starting to get to the point to say, I can't go on forever. I'm not like the CEO of infinite money. I can't pay people forever. There's no plan. So for a guy like me, we were in the same boat. We tried to furlough. We tried to hold the line. But our, our real hard decision started March 18th. We own a family restaurant that's been in business for 15 years, Piero's Italian Bistro in Fayetteville, North Carolina. We had to let go like 40 people. It was heartbreaking. These are folks that make between $2 and, and $15 an hour. They work on tips. They're great people. You look at, we have 100 or so million people employed in the United States. 58 million of those are in small businesses, businesses that are classified in less than 500 employees. 15% of that work in the restaurant industry. We sent those folks home without a plan. We gave them 1,200 bucks, maybe if they can get it. 1,200 bucks doesn't do anything. 
it's infuriating to me to see people left in this situation now a month and a half going on two months, 1200 bucks while we prop up big business, mm -hmm. capitalism, sending, you know, PPP to 150 publicly traded companies. I mean, it's crazy, man. Yeah. A lot of people make their, uh, their living on, you know, that sort of like uh, leisure spending or whatever you want to call it, the extra money in your pocket, like going out to a restaurant, like you're talking about, or going to hit some golf balls at the driving range or bowling or whatever it is. So, we're really, I sort of said this from the beginning, I got some pushback from people. I wasn't super vocal about it, but I sort of have been taking the same stance all the way through this, that I think the actual vi virus isn't what we should be worrying about as much as, you know, small businesses and just the economy as a whole. I'm, I, I really believe that this is something that, I mean, this could sink our ship as a country. Um, and really the world economy is going to take, you know, the hit it's taking is crazy. So where, where do you think, uh, what, what's our way out of this? I mean, uh, is there a way, for a political answer, or is it just Bitcoin? <laughs> Look, you know, we, we 10X'd unemployment. Before we went into this phase, we were at historically low unemployment, like 3% and change, right? We're at 30% unemployment right now. When we come out of this and turn the economy back on, some of those businesses have exited stage left. They're gone and they won't come back. So we're not going to go back to 3% unemployment. So we're going to be some number above 3%, but below 30%. The world is going to look different. How do we get this thing fixed? We need probably three things related to COVID. We got to get back to work. We need a vaccine option. I'm not saying you have a mandatory vaccination program, but a vaccine option. And we need a treatment plan, right? So if we have that, then you can go to the next level protect those elderly or those with comorbidities so that they can continue to shelter in place. We continue to protect those most vulnerable, uh, but we turn the economy back on and allow people the chance, the chance to try to survive this because our economy is fueled by spending, retail, spending. It's not government projects that is not going to fix this. Yeah, uh, I think a lot of people don't realize that the, you know, before this even, I think it was like 79 million or under it, less than 80 million people made their money in the market. Uh, the other were relying on the state. So uh, just imagine what that number, that figure looks like now. I'm scared to even know. It's probably another, you know, like you said, 20 or 30 million at least. Uh, I'm just worried about the future. So what do you think happened when, um, when, the, when the stock market crashed, uh, you know, and the virus and all this stuff? We've seen so much in the last 50 days um, or whatever it is around that. Uh, what, what do you think happened in the Bitcoin market when we dropped that 50% in that, that one day? Yeah. So, uh, sorry, I, I'm, I do this keto diet, right? And now I'm having my lunch, which is water, lemon, pure lemon juice, pure, uh, lime juice and cayenne pepper with some maple syrup. So I apologize. Uh, if <laughs> why I you're staying so young, right? That's right. Yeah. That's whatever. But, but, uh, what happened? Everybody tried to sell anything they could and get cash. They wanted U.S. dollars. So liquidity, liquidity, liquidity. And the only thing uh, that could have changed the trajectory of Bitcoin during that moment is if it was highly uh, transactable. So if it was really connected to the market and really behaved uh, like a super liquid asset, we wouldn't have seen the sell-off. But it, people sold Bitcoin as well. 
Right, people that needed a little bit of extra cash. That they, maybe... they just went to cash. I think it was just like the speculators went to cash. They may okay. not have needed it. They just went to cash. Hedge funds got liquidated. Positions got liquidated. But everyone went to cash. You sold what you could. So what do you think about the st- – you mentioned the stimulus. Do you th- So are you in favor of the stimulus then? Or what, what's your take? I mean, since the, the government shut the economy down and that was out of the government, that was their, you know, their doing – is that, is that, you know, you think that they needed to give us, a, give the people a stimulus? Yeah, but I, I don't think it was done right. You know, my, my impression would, would be to give the money to the people directly. The people needed the money. And, and, and you may have had to have a tranche of money that went to a, uh, a program to stand up those businesses that were affected by the shutdown. Yes, put some money that way. But we should have given people a, a wage through this because we took their livelihoods away. The government did. Right. The government did. Yeah, I totally agree with you. What do you think about? Uh, is this like? Is this the final? I mean, I really believe that this could take down the dollar. Uh, what do you think about fiat currencies and what? What? I mean, we're not the only central. We the uh, the Federal Reserve isn't the only central bank printing right now. Um, it seems to be going on or all over the world. What do you think about central banks printing and uh, like the, the Fed trying to export their debt? Uh, what, what's going to happen there? You know, I actually, I actually feel that the U.S. dollar is stronger than ever right now. So I think with the things that are going on and these the hot spots around the world, everyone's just trying to get into U.S. dollars. So it's, it's uh, I think, stronger than ever right now and really putting a lot of pressure on other currencies. So uh, I'm not worried about the U.S. dollar being wrecked. Um, I think you have deflation going on in certain aspects of, our, of, of the world's economy. And um, the U.S. dollar is strong. Okay. It's king, king, king dollar right now. Yeah, the dollar did surge in this. So it is interesting how this is all working out. It doesn't make sense, but it is. Yeah. It, I mean, comparative to a lot of other currencies, it, it, is, it is the king. So um, I looked at this potential inflation situation uh, through a master class by Paul Krugman, and he, he very eloquently and, and much more eloquently than I'm going to be able to do this. He talked about how Ben Bernanke back in 2008, when we had the housing crisis, um, he turned on the money printer and quintupled the money supply. You would expect there to be inflation coming out of that. But if you go to 2018 and look back a decade, you'll see that there really wasn't inflation over that 10-year period. And it's because even though the money supply quintupled, that money stayed on the bank's ledger sheets, didn't come into circulation. Uh, So that had an interesting effect on our economy. This is different this time. The money is being pushed into circulation. So you're going to see a different phenomenon, whether it's inflation, deflation, et cetera. You know, I'll leave that for the economists to kind of battle. But you better have your game right coming out of this. Because times are going to be different. It's going to be very different. I totally agree with what you just said. The, uh, one of the problems with the stimulus is the people are going to use it for food and things, necessities. And they're not, that money isn't like, you know, the, all that money they're printing or creating isn't going to go into uh, producing an, another, you know, an, an, another good per se or starting a business. So that's sort of like just wasting money. If, if you, if you, I don't know if you agree with me on that or not. Yeah, I mean, if you don't do it right, they're not going to buy a new flat screen TV. I think that's what you're saying. Like right now, we have to pay bills, health insurance, electricity, water, food, rent. And exactly. we don't even have enough money for that. So you're seeing defaults and defaults. And those who are really trying to manage this have gone to the banks 
and they've been able to get these waivers of mortgages for three and six months, uh, some, some not, excuse me, three months, 90 days, uh, and the banks may extend those. Your credit cards are doing the same things. They're trying to be good humans and, and not make everyone bankrupt. But coming out of this, the, you're going to have to pay your bills at some point. Exactly. Where are the jobs? Where's the money? It's going to be scary. I, I really don't think that people realize what's going to happen. Uh, you know, a lot of people are, they don't care about economics. Uh, maybe in lieu of no sports right now, uh, <laughs> we can get some people to look at, look at, you know, economics a little bit more. What would you say that uh, the average small business owner or somebody that, you know, is trying to start a business could do uh, right now? Where, where's a, a little advantage if there is one? Yeah, so it's a great question. I think there are industries right now that you could jump into or get started on that would be really great. And I would focus first on how supply chain breakdowns had impacted our country and other countries. I think the outsourcing of critical goods and services is probably gone. And it, or it won't be to the level it was. So if you wanted to start a business that created personal protective equipment, ventilators, you keep hearing all this ventilator, you know, anything around like healthcare tech, um, cleaning, sanitation, light, uh, light treatments, which I'm intrigued about. Um, I think there's a lot of really cool things you can do there. Also, connecting populations that are at risk, that need goods or services, that aren't gonna come into your stores anymore. They're not gonna wanna ride the subway. They're not gonna wanna come into your restaurant. They're not gonna wanna go to your concert. They're not gonna wanna go to your convention hall. But they still need the information. They need food, they need resources. How do you connect those people to all that stuff? Super cool opportunities, right? Absolutely. It's all like user interface, user experience, making these tech things super easy to use for, you know, people who are dumb like me. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, the capitalist is the great benefactor to us all. So, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's become a little bit, uh, you know, popular these days to bash the capitalist and universities and stuff. But people don't realize without people that, uh, you know, take these, take these risks. We have, we have nothing, you know, so. Yeah. Uh, but, but to your point, like um, in terms of education, that's another place that's going to be dramatically disrupted uh, in my opinion. Um, what we have seen. So I, I can only speak from my experience. I've got three kids. Mm -hmm. um, they've all been sent home. Their school years have been canceled at this point. Right. I'm still paying full freight for their education and I'm still paying full freight for taxes if you have kids in public school, you're paying taxes and you may be getting homeschooled, but most of them are not. Right. Those kids that are in some kind of private program or private school or college or university, you're paying full freight for that education, but everyone's at home being homeschooled. I'll ask you this. What percentage of those kids, parents lost their jobs, so they're going to get pulled out of that academic situation Two the kids actually don't want to go back to school. They're having a really great educational experience. Their grades are fine. They're going to school for four hours, not eight. And they are, they can still play all their sports and stuff mm -hmm. because of clubs and recs, whatever. 
I think that if educators, presidents of universities, colleges, et cetera, aren't thinking about what their university or college or private school looks like in the next 30 days, boy, they're about to feel some pain, son. I totally agree with you on that, too. I think it's time that that happens, too, because there's so much waste in uh, education and the, the government's in bed with them and they drive up the prices and the educations have gone downhill. There's no competition. It's time for that to happen. I can't speak on the private school level of like uh, high schools and, you know, uh, stuff like that. But as far as um, as far as the lack of competition at universities today, it's, it's, it's honestly it's just pathetic, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, look, look at the internet and what we're able to do right now. You know, people flying around for meetings, all that stuff is going to change. Like, if you, I don't even know why I would fly to New York and have a meeting with someone. Right. Like, I just don't get it. Like, why would I do that? What would change other than me not shaking your hand, right? right? Me wearing a mask. I have to go to a meeting on Monday. Like, they're asking me to come which I don't understand. I have to wear, you know, an N95 mask and be shuttled into a area because it's in a hospital. That's where the meeting is. I have to go to a hospital. They don't even let people in and out of their executive branch. I have to go. It doesn't make any sense. Like, yeah, I you're uncomfortable the whole time. I mean, this is so much I'll, easier. I'll be presenting to them with a mask on. Yeah, it's, just, it's, it's weird. It's so silly. Yeah, the world's changing. It really is. I mean, we're, this is uh, the was necessity uh, it increases the breadth of innovation. So uh, we're watching it happen right before our eyes. So let's let's get right into let's get into Bitcoin now uh, a little bit more with the hat with the having upon us. I made a little call eight days ago that I thought we were going to see five or we could see five figures still. Uh, we were around sixty eight seventy when I put that video out. And I'm looking, looking pretty good right now. What do you think about uh, us getting into five figures? It's looking promising, right? Well, uh, I actually, uh, I'm going to stick to my call, which I made probably three or four months ago, where I think we'll go into the having around 6,800. Oh, okay. So ima imagine that. We're sitting here and Bitcoin's at 8,600, right? It's I need to sell it out. <laughs> well, it's ripped, right? So, yeah. you know, what, what I said and what, what the genesis of that call is, was I was on a podcast where I was defending that the halvings priced in. And what I said was, there's going to be a sell the news. So you'll have FOMO, you'll have a run up pre having, mm -hmm. then there'll be a sell the news because it always happens. I don't disagree with I, that. It always happens. What history doesn't repeat, but it often rhymes. So we're going to get a sell the news and then you're going to get a minor capitulation, which is a more technical call for those who aren't just punting or speculating. What's happening right now is you have incremental hash rate increasing. We saw it drop for a while, but then we see it increasing, which is actually a really good signal and actually counter to what I'm talking about. But this is what's going to happen. Anyone that has inefficient mining, inefficient mining, including old tech, so S9s or something running along those lines, or high power cost. When you hit 12 days and 12 hours from now, whenever it is, that is a painful event for miners. It's a painful event. And those who are the most, the, have the best operations, the best technology, the lowest cost, they are going to prosper 
because the rest of them are going to hit the wall and have to switch off, go bust. They'll be, they'll, they'll, they'll burn up all of their Bitcoin stores. So there'll be all this sell pressure, trying to survive, paying out their debts, going bankrupt, whatever that will happen. And then sometime thereafter the having 60, 90 days that after that purge, bang. And I, I think that what I'm saying is supported by the stock to flow models that plan B has done and other things that, you know, we've looked at. So I'm saying I wouldn't be surprised if we have all this FOMO right now, you bounced off of 9,000, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And we have a pullback to somewhere around 6,800. And then we chop a little sideways for about a hundred days. Everyone gets bored because right. the having's a non-event, just like it always is. And then we get the real rip when the supply and demand shocks hit. I I agree with you on pretty much all of that. I don't know what I, I sort of still I'm gonna hang on to my 10k call, but I do think that you're right about uh, I 100% I agree that we're gonna see a lull after the halving where people could sell sell and we're we're floating back around 68 to eight and where, then where that does run. Where the sell pressure come from? It comes from the miners. Right, and that was you actually jumped my next question about capitulation. Yeah. Where, what, what sort of percentage of miners do you think we're going to lose? Uh, like forty percent, or what? Are, what are you thinking? Well, I think you already had one miner, one one level of capitulation. I think those that are prudent business folks that saw the writing on the wall needed to get out of their purchase power agreements without defaulting, so they had to switch off their miners, and and some of those S nines could be sold for 30 or 40 bucks each. So they actually tried to sell, you know, if you had a big mine, say you had a thousand, two thousand, five thousand S nines, and you could unload them to someone who had, you know, power cost at one to two cents and uh, a more efficient uh, technology overseeing them. They may turn those machines on. They may buy them and run them right. off the cliff. So I think you had one instance of capitulation already. Uh, and I think there's another one on the horizon. Uh, are you still, are you still, is, is your, uh, energy company, is that, that's what you do the mining with, right? That's part of that? Well, I have a number of investments in that space personally, and we mine Ethereum. Okay. I thought so. So, you, so you're still GPUs, mining? We run GPUs there. Yes. Okay. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I, I don't know a ton about mining myself to be a hundred percent honest with you. Uh, that's not something that I'm I'm a pro in or anything like that. So I was curious, just so everyone knows, the price of bitcoins just for posterity, so we can look back at this in 20 years. And uh, the price is just under 8,700 right now. It's 8,680, I think, or something like that. So we yeah, saw so, a crazy so, run today. Yeah, but think about what I'm saying to you. I'm saying it's going to pull down two right. grand. Yeah. So don't FOMO in if you're listening to this tonight or tomorrow, whenever I put this out. Yeah. I mean, and look, <laughs> I, I you know, there's there's a lot of people. I mean. I talked to Pomp this morning and he was just like, oh man, look at the price. Look, it's running. And right. we, we go through it like, uh, you know, just like kids, man. It's exciting. Like I can't take my eyes off of this stuff. It is so hard to get anything done when it pumps like this. You just, you, every 10 minutes or even less, you're like, what is the price? What is the price? Yep. Yep. Definitely. So, uh, last time you and I spoke and this is, I've actually sort of tailored my, uh, partially uh tailored my call on how long this thing's going to go after i spoke with you i looked at some other things and i just i i, th I think you i i agree with you a 
pretty much 100% on when this thing's going to run till, I think, uh, at least the last time we spoke. So now I want to see if you've amended that or not. I believe you told me last time we spoke, uh, early 2022, uh, yeah, 2022, you think this thing might reverse back uh, and we'll see the end of the bull trend. Is that, is that, is that accurate? That's probably right. So I'm saying that we're going to see we'll, this year we may see a new all-time high. So I'm saying this year we may see a new all-time high by the end of the year. And by the end of 2021, I would be really shocked if we haven't traded in the fifty to $100,000 range. By the end of 2022? Uh, by the end of 2021. Oh, 2021. Okay, yeah, sorry. Yeah, by 2022 we'll be – in that fifty to one hundred thousand dollar range, and when that happens, as I really do think it's a when, not if. When that happens, everything's been validated. Like I can't see how people go. We're speculating at a hundred thousand dollars a Bitcoin. I mean, I just think that would be foolish. Right. In, in my, I don't, I don't see how you can do that. And I know the real OGs probably feel that way right now. Bitcoin at eight thousand when you bought Bitcoin for a dollar or 50 cents or a quarter or a penny, you're, you're like, man, this is, this is exactly how it's supposed to go. And they have already reached that level of conviction. I remember it under a dollar. I don't have any of those coins anymore. I, those, those went the way of a uh, failed hard drive. So that hurts a little bit, but it is crazy because, to see. Because you got into Bitcoin in 09. Right. Yeah. It, 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 is, it, it's, it feels good to see, you know, the, the space mature and uh, I, I'm really in this for the free markets. I, I, I believe in free markets, and I think that it, it's the best, uh, best uh, solution for society as a whole. So um, I, think, I think that we're going to see a lot of great things built out of this space over the next decade. So what, the, te- the technology is important. Right. Yeah, 100%. And that's, that, I also am interested in privacy and uh, other things, but I think that um, Bitcoin's the king, and that's where I would, you know, I think everyone – and this isn't financial advice, you're the financial guy, but uh, storing wealth in this era, this digital epoch, I think that's the best place to put it is in, is in Bitcoin. Yeah, and look, and, I, and I, I, in my own mind, and this, this may be inaccurate because I'm thinking a bit out loud, but you know, Bitcoin right now is not a good store of value. It's not a very good money, a unit of exchange because of the volatility, right? Mm-hmm. So as Bitcoin becomes less volatile and that price range may be in the $100,000 Bitcoin, at that point, it does become a, a better unit of exchange. And you're, you'll then have projects like the Lightning Network, stuff that Jack Mahler's doing with Strike. It, it just feels like all that comes together at the, at the same time and the right time and uh, the rest will be history. Right. Well, it's going to be a lot of fun to look back at all these old uh, conversations. I just, I think it's so cool. You know, we're still so early. Um, I heard you talking the other day about that, how early we still are. And I feel the same way, even though I've been in it for 10 years or whatever, a little bit over, I still feel like people that are getting in today are getting in at somewhat of the ground level and they're going to, they're still going to reap a lot of benefit from that. So bro, I saw today someone tweeted, there are 3 million Bitcoin wallets with like 0.1 Bitcoin or more in them. Yeah. <laughs> like no one. <laughs> I, I, I think that's, I didn't check it, but I think that's what the tweet said, that there are 3 million Bitcoin wallets with 0.1 more Bitcoin or more in it. That's like no one. There's no one here. It's we're true. In an empty, 
We're in an empty room. It, it, empty I wonder. Room. Uh, yeah, I, I wonder why. Like, uh, it would be interesting to know. I mean, you have a lot of wealth. It would be interesting to know somebody like Jeff Bezos, who's just like uber, you know, just ridiculous. How much? How much they own? Because I really have a hard time to believe that he doesn't own any. You know, I'm not sure he does. Like, I, I, you get to this money, money point where I think his assets are committed in a different way. He's, he's not speculating in, a, in an asset class like this. Like, I truly believe, like, Elon Musk doesn't have much Bitcoin. Really? He, he's like a brilliant guy. I just don't think he has a bunch of Bitcoin. I really don't. I, I actually think Peter Schiff has more Bitcoin than, <laughs> than, than Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk put together. I actually have a theory that Peter Schiff has some Bitcoin, too, that he's not letting on. Peter Schiff is sitting on Bitcoin. Right, he is, like, he is. Like I'm sitting on gold. <laughs> is that your silver or is that gold? Yeah, silver and gold. I got it all over here. That's awesome. I got, awesome. I got, I got all awesome. kinds of good stuff. Space yeah. medals. Space you, medals. Somebody in your position, you need, to, you need to get Peter, you need to challenge Peter to a public debate and just whip his ass one time. Uh, I, I, you know what, I just, I just like to learn from him. Intellectually, yeah. Yeah, because I, I, probably, I probably agree with him on most of the stuff other than like, that Bitcoin is like a Ponzi scheme. I don't even know if he said that. No. Because I just don't believe that at all. I think Bitcoin is, is super legit. I'm actually a huge Peter Schiff fan myself. I agree with Peter on like a 95. He's a big Austrian economics guy. I like Peter, but on Bitcoin, he couldn't be more wrong. All right. Uh, all right. What's your, uh, what's your strategy for, uh, for yourself buying Bitcoin? Because I see you uh, last week, I think I saw you buy five or six and you posted that. I love seeing that, by the way. Uh, what, what do you DCA or what's your, what's your approach? Yeah. I mean, that's it. It's literally like, I don't sell Bitcoin. Um, I buy into positions with new fiat, new capital. And that's why I don't, I, I think sometimes people are like, Hey man, you just bought yesterday. Like it, it really is that, that I'm just buying and dollar cost averaging into positions. And, um, I, I like the, um, I have a big position in stable, a stable coin. So it makes it really easy for me to move from that digital stable coin right into Bitcoin. So is your, is your play long-term then? Do you ever take profits off, off these moves or are you, are you in it for the, what, what, what is it? What's the target? <laughs> What's your personal uh, target? No, like this is a, this is an investment that I, I just don't, uh, I don't plan on exiting. You know, we, we were in, uh, late 15, 2016, Bitcoin was at like 2,000, 1,700. We're mining Ethereum at like 30 bucks, something like that. I'm selling Ethereum. I'm buying Bitcoin. And we watched it run all the way up to 19,000 and draw down 85%. We did not sell. You know, I, if I did, it was a very small amount. Mm -hmm. So we took it on the chin. You know, we went through a full bull bear cycle and now we're going through the halving. Um, I don't know what the number is for me. Uh, I know being a smart investor would, uh, would reallocate and uh, resize the position and take profit. Uh, I'll probably think about that when that time comes. Okay, fair enough. Uh, concerning Morgan Creek Digital, uh, what sort of what sort of response have you gotten? Uh, you know, in the last we like I said, we spoke about eight months ago. Uh, are more people in the in the uh, corporate world getting 
uh, more comfortable with Bitcoin and like uh, like pension funds and stuff like that and, you know, taking on that sort of uh, approach? Yeah, I'd, I'd still, I'd say it's, it's as hard as it ever was to raise capital in this space. Um, there's a long edu educational lead time on the investment. Uh, those who have already spent the time to learn are more likely to then go through your process of education and potentially invest. But um, it's still a challenging environment to raise capital. Um, that being said, uh, we, we set out on our first fund to raise $25 million. We raised $41 million. We've closed that fund. We've invested the capital. We started our second fund, uh, which uh, was a $250 million fund uh, target. We've raised $71 million of that, which I'm very happy about. Impressive. And we've, and we've deployed uh, north of 50% of that money into, uh, into a number of projects and a liquid position in Bitcoin. Okay. So what else, what, what other projects, like what, uh, as far as cryptos go, what other, I know you guys have Bitcoin. Uh, do you guys uh, expose your, uh, your funds to like XRP and uh, Ethereum or anything? What is, is it just all Bitcoin as far as that goes? Yeah. So we have a position, a liquid position in Bitcoin. And then we have uh, the Morgan Creek Digital Asset Index Fund uh, with a partnership through Bitwise and that is a like market weighted average of the top 10 cryptos. So you can, that's another vehicle we have. Um, and we have an investment in that as well as some capital in at play there. But our funds are specifically focused on Bitcoin and equity positions in infrastructure type investments like BlockFi, like Figure, uh, for example. So you guys are one of the, you guys got in with BlockFi from the onset. Is it my right or? Uh, I don't think we were in their initial angel rounds, but we were in pretty early. You, can you tell everyone what BlockFi is? It might not know, just a short. Yeah, so BlockFi is, uh, was founded by, uh, by Flory and Zach. Um, they're based in New York. It's essentially a traditional bank, but for crypto assets. So it offers a number of products and services. It offers a custody solution. It offers interest-bearing accounts for stable tokens and a number of crypto uh, tokens. It also uh, offers a lending uh, option, so which is really interesting. If you want, need to raise some capital, but you don't want to sell your crypto, they'll give you a certain amount of cash uh, uh, at about a 50% LTV. It could be lower, could be higher, but uh, they work that out. It's all online, very simple to do. I like their interest-bearing accounts for Bitcoin custody and stable tokens because they pay interest every month. And that interest can be paid in a flexible way. It can be paid in, in cash, it can be paid in a stable token, paid in Bitcoin, roll that forward, so right. you get the interest and the compounding effect. See, these are all things that, you know, I, I, I just recommend people learning about um, because right now, Having a dollar bill in your wallet's dead money. It really is. Having a dollar bill in a bank is dead money too, in my opinion. What are you making in terms of interest in your checking account? Well, you're you're losing four and a half percent a year to inflation, right? All right, there well, you at go. At least they say that, yeah. And they may be paying you, you know, 0.75%, mm -hmm. 1% on a money market, 1.8% yeah. on a CD. I've, I've not seen greater than 1.45%. This is, that's not an investment. That's not an investment. 
the bank's taking your dollar, lending it out 12 times, charging you fees. If you overdraft, they're going to spank you. You need checks. You're going to pay for it. You need a loan. We're going to hit you with fees. Look, we probably need banks. We need digital banks. We need crypto-friendly banks. You know, there's a lot of good things happening. I love the project that Caitlin Long is doing right now. I think the work she's doing is so important. Um, a lot of cool stuff happening. If we're going to have decentralized banks, let's make or banks, let's make them decentralized. And I think that you're talking about compound interest. I think that what's that quote attributed to Einstein that compound interest is the uh, most powerful force in the universe. So just roll your money, keep rolling your money into something else that you think is going to make you more money, right? Yeah. Like I, I explore altcoins and I, I tweeted this this morning, like altcoins are the gateway drug to Bitcoin. <laughs> and, you know, and I really feel that it, it is sort of true, right? Right. And it, it's a little play on something that uh, CK said from POV, a POV podcast, which I thought was brilliant. He said, like, in his opinion, because he's a Bitcoin maximalist, all coins are kind of an entryway into eventually learning about Bitcoin. That's what happened with me. That's right. what happened with Pomp. Uh, we, we, we got into crypto mining Ethereum. That's so cool, though. And you did end up in the, and you ended up in Bitcoin. I, I agree with you, though. I think that the competition is good, just like in any other good. That the competition of money will bring out the best money. So uh, I'm, I'm not a maximalist, but I respect. And, and interesting technology. So like, right, I, right. I do buy altcoins doing research. Like, I really am in this for the tech. You know, I, I love the tech. Make, yeah, I want to make money, but when I see programs like Thorchain and Rune, and BIP2, mm -hmm. and the work Binance is doing, you know, I start to migrate there. And then I say, okay, uh, how are you offering 52% interest on Rune? I can't, I, it's hard for me to conceive this. So, you know, you jump down the rabbit hole, Decrid, Decrid, same stuff. Mm -hmm. so I understand why you like Chainlink. And right. it's just, you start to look at the technology, the application, and the different layers to which this thing exists, it's the what's beyond the internet. What is beyond the layer one? Right. What, and that, that's all this other stuff. The Bitcoin, but I doubt it. I doubt it's just Bitcoin. Exactly. The, all, the value is coming from, I believe in the end, will be from connecting everything. You know, the, all of the ones, at least the whatever it ends up being, however many blockchains it ends up being, utility will be, uh, the utility of all those combined is going to be, the value will just be unbelievable. And it, it'll all seem obvious, in my opinion, in, in the long run. Eventually, but it's going to yeah. take time, you know, it's going to take time. I think DeFi is super important. What, you mentioned Binance. What do you think about CZ and what he's been able to accomplish? I mean, it's just unbelievable, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, look, he's, he's a great entrepreneur. Um, he's, uh, I actually like him very much. Um, uh, I've been fortunate enough to be on some calls with him and, um, I think Binance is an excellent, uh, project. I've recently been using Binance Dex, you know, exploring it. I mm -hmm. think it's really, uh, very interesting. And I think there are going to be some exchanges that come out of this, uh, that are the leaders, you know, and, um, in the pursuit of a laundry list of altcoins, like if you want to go down the rack 2,000 deep, you're going to have to engage Binance, Binance Dex. Right. Because we're able to do that at Coinbase or Gemini.
Does that, does that make sense? Absolutely. It makes perfect sense. Yeah. He's, he's providing a product and people like it. You know, if somebody wants to come in and compete with them, let them do it. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, but find, uh, CZ is, uh, he's going to be one of those, you know, Bitcoin billionaires, uh, you know, that I, I spoke about today. Yeah. I can't wait to see the, this generation of Bitcoin millionaires and billionaires. Uh, and we may see the first trillionaire come from crypto. I, I believe Amazing. you. I, I love that tweet you put out today. Yeah, I, I think you're right about that. That that I haven't thought a lot about, but I, it definitely could happen. Think somebody, about it. Somebody is going to become a trillionaire out of this space. It's it's inevitable, really. It really is. Think about it. The, yeah. the Winklevoss twins have claimed that they bought 1% of the Bitcoin network, yeah. right? So they're, they're billionaires at $10,000 a Bitcoin. They have to have at least, what, 500000 or something like that. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. They, they have a lot. Well, they have 1% one, 1 of, of what was out there, right? 1% right? <laughs> of what was out there. You heard yeah. Chamath say something extraordinary like that. At one point, he had, you know, percentages of the available. It's like mind-blowing to me. It's mind-blowing to me. Have, have you spoken to him a lot, Chamath? I think he, again, is one of those very special minds out there. Um, I'm fascinated by him. You know, I watched him on Pomp's podcast. I haven't had the chance to invest with him or, uh, or meet him in person. But I feel the same way about Naval, Ravikant. Uh -huh. you know, these, these guys are thinking, they're thinking differently. And I think I know why. Because all of the burdens that you and I have to be faced with all day, mm -hmm. paying the bills, going to work, picking up this, doing that, you know, how am I going to make this work? They've stripped that away because they've been so uber successful as young people. So now they get to think, they get to reflect, and they just look at things a little differently than you or I do. And it's allowed their mind to be expansive, and I enjoy it. And we're really fortunate to have access to them through things like Twitter and podcasts, because mm -hmm. these dudes could simply just go away, like, you know, and just work on making money and inventing the next thing, and we wouldn't be enlightened or or inspired as I am by these guys. I watched two of his speeches this week, so I feel the same way that you do. He's definitely it's, – it's awesome that he puts that stuff out there for people when he takes the time. Just like you, I appreciate your time today. Uh, and you're in that AS Roma shirt, and I told you before we – that Kappa, I love that. Before we got on here today, uh, that's, that's – that's, uh, I'm a Barca, Barcelona fan and AS Roma, but I heard that uh, – I, I think I saw you tweet out about – uh, purchasing Man U. So uh, was that a joke or is that in the cards no, for you someday? No, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to say the Glazer family is doing a better job right now. But if they don't buy Jack Grealish and Sancho coming out of this and put together a team that can actually compete in the English Premier League and not be gunning for sixth place, uh, look, I'm switching. A.S. Roma, <laughs> I'm, yes. coming, I'm coming back. I'm coming there back. There you go. Tati loves it. I'll, 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 I'll tag him in this. Uh, back, back to Bitcoin, though. I just had it. I thought that was cool that you talked about that because uh, I'll probably never be wealthy enough to buy Man U, but maybe a uh, Serie uh, D Barcelona, or a Serie D uh, Italia League. Hey, anything can happen, man. <laughs> anything can happen. So – what uh, do you think Bitcoin? I, I listened to your podcast the other day. I don't remember the, the guy's name you're on with, uh, but I actually listened to it this morning. Um, 
And you were talking about, uh, you know, adventure investors today. Do you, do you believe Bitcoin, like for the average Joe on the street, that's their best play? Look, again, always do your own research. I'm only speaking from my own experience. And I said, I've said this before. There's, a, there's three ways that people really get great wealth, right? They inherit it. So, you know, it, it comes their way and the, one, the next generation kind of maintains it, the next one squanders it, and then they blow it all, right? But you, uh, you inherit great wealth. Those that are fortunate to do that, I'm no hater. Congratulations. The next thing, and this comes from a quote, I think that Elon Musk's wife, ex-wife, said, you have to come up with an idea that's absolutely mind-melting, right? And you have to be the best executor on the planet of that idea. And then to become a billionaire, you have to create idea babies off of that idea. So that whole process of coming up with an idea no one in the world's had, executing it in the most brilliant and, and surgically precise way and coming up with idea babies, then you get there too. Finally, guys like you or me can take some amount of money and concentrate the investment in something that explodes. It does something that goes up hundreds of thousands of times. That could be Bitcoin. And this could be our chance to own mm -hmm. Manchester United. <laughs> I hope you do. I, I, I want to remain friends. That way maybe I can get in the box once or something. <laughs> well, you're there. You're there. Oh, I'm yes. I'm bringing I've, the whole team. Oh, Everyone's man. coming. I'll start saying my prayers to get you in there then. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so what do you think about, uh, we kind of touched on a little bit outside of um, crypto. Um, the, the, actually, uh, you, you even named some of the things, but are you, what are you keeping your eyes on outside of crypto as far as investing? And then like, um, it, are, you, are you thinking about maybe doing something else in the medical field? Yeah, I am actually. So, you know, I, I got to watch healthcare be broken and spanked, you know, put over the government's knee and just decimated, right? You, you can't. You can't scare everyone and stop everyone from going outside and cripple ancillary services and elective procedures. Like no one's going to the dentist, getting their colonoscopies, going to the gyne. Everything's done. The urgent cares are done. So everybody lost 50, 60%, if not 100% of their volume. Revenue's at zero. Doctors are being furloughed. Emergency room doctors are being sent home. Everyone's focused on COVID, which is the right thing to do, mind you. But I got to watch healthcare get smashed. So, you know, from my perspective, how do I make a recession and pandemic proof healthcare system? And that's what I'd like to build coming out of this a pandemic and recession proof healthcare system. Because healthcare has been pretty recession proof historically, it just wasn't pandemic proof. That would be pretty awesome. If, I, I have a feeling you can achieve that. So uh, I'm going to have to keep up to date with you on that one. Yeah, and then yeah. the other thing I'm really interested in is real estate. You know, I think there's going to be huge defaults, right? What I said to you before this is where we went from 3% unemployment to 30% unemployment. It's going to resolve somewhere between there. Lots of businesses are not going to turn back on when this is all over. Those businesses, small businesses are in buildings. Those buildings have mortgages. They may have been supported by the tenants late lease. They're going to default. There are REITs sitting on all kinds of property and opportunity zones, what have you, that's going to all go to shit. And there's going to be an opportunity for those people sitting on cash 
to buy some cheap real estate and get in that game. I'm interested in that. Yeah, I am too. I'm glad you brought that up because I've been, I've been interested in real estate and uh, taking more of my time outside of crypto to focus on uh, that opportunity. And I've been waiting for something like this to happen, not the pandemic, but you know, some sort of, uh, uh, you know, event where, you know, we had real estate in 2008, uh, just some sort of pullback where, you know, the bubble burst. Uh, what do you think about like, um, buying up houses like uh, for somebody that doesn't have a ton of wealth, like around universities and renting those out. You think stuff like that's a good investment? Well, look, it's, it's actually a, a bit risky. Uh, and let me use the, Air, the Airbnb example, right? Mm -hmm. So people were speculating and they bought one rental property, another rental property. Then they became like mega rental property owners and pandemic hits. Right. right? Nobody's using Airbnb. They get wrecked. If you do it in such a way that you don't get over your skis, you don't use too much leverage, you know, 50, 60% leverage, you make sure that you have solid, uh, solid pieces of property. I like mixed commercial, multi-tenant, residential, and commercial real estate. If you deploy that thesis in a, in a conservative, systematic, prudent way, using leverage and cash to do it, I think it builds an annuity that has created some of the most wealthy people on the planet, right? Yeah, that's what I was curious about. You know, something like you said, like five or more doors at least if you're, if you're talking about a, a house or, you know, t 10 or 20 yeah, office room, offices. Two, right? Yeah. Look, multi-tenant residential is just two. Okay. And I like to use the statement by meters. You want multi-metered property. I don't mean like one meter with multiple people renting. I mean, actually two meters, two separate meters on a, multi, a condo so that you buy that condo and it would be very unlikely that you were at zero tenants. Right, that way but at least you're not bleeding, I understand. The worst is 50%, then you get someone in, so now you're back at 100%, right? You're always kind of focused on that. And I like commercial because you can, you can level up the length and quality of your tenant, right? I own a lot of buildings that have private equity backed urgent cares in them. The likelihood of them not paying their rent is low. Right. Also, if they're doing well, they wanna keep a long-term lease in place. So most of the time, my leases are structured with five or 10 year blocks with five year renewal options. So I don't have to worry about like, what does that look like next year? You do have to do that with rental property sometimes. Uh, I'm talking about residential rental. Mm -hmm. But mixed commercial, residential, multi-tenant residential, and commercial, I, I like the space very much. Dropping dimes. Now I got to get you back on again later this year and talk more about real estate. I just have a couple more questions for you. Shoot. Um, what was the uh, what What are your personal goals uh, like outside of investing? Um, we talk man, you, but like, what are you focused on? It like I know you have a family and stuff like that, but I'm just curious. Like, what are you What are you interested in and focused on? Yeah, so look, I, I want to be a good husband and a good father. It, look, it's the most challenging thing and the thing I'm most envious of in other people when I meet them. Like, I meet a guy around my age. He's like, yeah, you know, my kids in college. The other one's a straight A student. The other one's captain of the var uh, soccer team, varsity. This, I, I really am authentically moved by that because raising kids is hard. 
you know, being married is hard. All this stuff is difficult because, you know, we're selfish people and we focus on ourselves all the time. Me, 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 me. And you can't really do that when you have a squad. You got to take care of the squad. The squad needs time. The squad needs your focus and love. So look, that is the hardest, most challenging thing that I focus on and the thing I want to do best. Beyond that, I want to still lift weights, still want to be like the, the, that dude at the pool. The people are like, yo, that dude's jacked, you know? Or, <laughs> you know and I want to yeah. play soccer. Right. I've climbed a lot of the world's tallest mountains. I'd love to get back to that at some point. Um, I love surfing. So you see all the surfboards in the yeah, back. Yeah, those surfboards are awesome. I love yeah. the felt table, the, the, pool, the billiards table a yeah. lot too. This is yeah. kind of my, this is my office that I've been working out of. And uh, you know, look, it, and I want to be a good friend to people. Uh, I really enjoy my relationship with Mark Yusko and, and, and Pomp. I have another, a tight group of people that, you know, I'm doing investing in and, and with. And uh, that's just it. It's a, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting older. I'm 46 years old and uh, I can't believe that, but I'm not, I'm not in any way like I, I feel bad about that. Like I always wanted to be kind of the epitome of health and, and, uh, and someone whose mind was sharp, you know, I want to do that stuff, man. Yeah. You're definitely not slowing down, man. I can tell you that right now. I don't, I'm not there every day, but I, I just know you, I can just tell, um, uh, what, uh, I appreciate you coming on here. As I've told you, I just have one last question, man. Uh, I, w- I know you're busy. I won't keep you. What, does Bitcoin mean to you? I've asked everybody this, except I think I forgot one on one guest at this new podcast. I'm just curious, like we've talked about it a lot, but you know, what does it really mean to you? Man, Bitcoin has become like a symbol of freedom to me. And I don't want to like, you know, go some crazy place, but I really feel that way. Like right now, my businesses are begging for PPP. Like good people are just dying right now. They can't get the the resources they need and they can't even do the things that they want to do. They're fighters. They they can't do it. They're locked down, right? You can't even go into a bank and yell at someone. There's just no options, you know? Bitcoin has become like the symbol of freedom and, and, uh, and power, personal power, personal empowerment. Uh, It's incredible. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm inspired that we're participating as early as we are. Again, I really feel like we're in an empty coliseum when it comes to Bitcoin. Completely empty. You know, we are the OGs. We are. It's so cool to know somebody like yourself that's interested in it because there aren't that many people, you know, that have been so successful uh, outside of the early, early, earliest of the early adopters uh, that made a ton of money. So I, uh, I really value what you're doing and I hope you continue it. And um, I hope that, you know, we, you and I can have more of these talks over the years. Just keep them going. Man, listen to me. And I, and I say this to anyone that's listening to this. I want us to win together. Absolutely. I mean, I don't want to win. I don't, I don't want to win Jason Williams, Morgan Creek Digital, Anthony Pompliano, Mark Hughes. That's not what I'm after. I want everyone to win. That's what I, I mean, that would be, that would be incredible, man. A whole generation of billionaires, trillionaires, millionaires. Wow. This is the freest market in the world. I really believe that we're going to create the most value moving forward. And this is, this is our torch. 
this is our way to do it. So, uh, Jason A. Williams, everybody, thank you for coming on today and dropping all the, that knowledge. I really appreciate you, man. Uh, it's my pleasure. my pleasure. I'll say a proper goodbye. Hold on one second.